No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where the Lord prophesies the coming of the Son who will govern the people and be a light to those in darkness. God also predicts the destruction of the northern kingdom of Israel. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Isaiah chapter 9 on Simply the Bible. The children of Israel in the northern kingdom had turned from the light to darkness. Rather than seeking the word of God, they were inquiring of the dead. They were having seances and they committed many other atrocities. Therefore, God gave them over to invasion by the Assyrians. In 732 BC, the northern portion of Israel became an Assyrian province, thus humbling the people and putting them in gloom. The Assyrians were known for their cruel and inhumane way by which they treated their captives. History tells us that they physically mutilated them, cutting off ears, cutting out tongues, and cutting off noses. Being taken captive by the Assyrians was thought to be worse than death. Therefore, when a city was surrounded by the Assyrians, the entire population would often commit suicide rather than being mutilated or tortured. Indeed, these were very dark days for the northern kingdom of Israel as the invasion of the Assyrians came in. We continue in Isaiah chapter 9. Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. So the northern kingdom would, in fact, have gloomy darkness, but it would not last forever. A great light was coming to shine on the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, the region of Galilee of the Gentiles. Now, can you guess what that light would be? Matthew quoted these verses in his gospel, applying them to Jesus as he began his ministry in Capernaum, which was in Galilee of the Gentiles. And that light that Jesus would bring to them is our hope because Jesus has brought light to all Gentiles throughout the world. He is the light to the Gentiles. Verse three, you have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil for you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor as in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. It is interesting how God, in, even in the midst of judgment, would bring forth hope. And here, not only does he look to the coming of Jesus the first time in Galilee, but he also looks to the establishment of the millennial kingdom when Christ comes again. There's this gap between verses two and three that we are in right now until Jesus comes again and establishes his kingdom and ends the oppression. Now, how is it that 
God does this? Uh, well, it's because the Lord has the eternal perspective and sees all of time stretched out before him. We may have trouble understanding how we can go from one verse in a prophecy like this and suddenly skip over thousands of years. But God can do it because he sees everything from eternity. Here we see both the first and second comings of Christ appearing coupled together in one prophecy. Now, Isaiah speaks of the multiplication and the exaltation of the nation of Israel during that millennial kingdom. All the nations will come to Israel to worship the Lord. Israel will fulfill God's original purpose for her as the light to all of the world, to the Gentiles. And that day there will be great joy as in the joy of the harvest. Then the yoke of their burden will be broken. Now think about since the time of the Babylonian captivity, about six centuries before the birth of Christ, until 1948 when Israel was reborn as a nation, the Jews have always been under Gentile rule. Consider how they have been persecuted throughout the world over all of time. But the time is coming when that yoke of oppression, that staff and the rod of the oppressor will be broken and Christ will establish his kingdom in Jerusalem. And surely what a joyous day that will be for all Israel. Verse six, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, it is interesting because, of course, we come to this prophecy about every Christmas, right? And we see in it that there is the prophecy of Jesus Christ, both from the human perspective, for unto us a child is born, and then the divine perspective, unto us a son is given. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And the government will be upon his shoulder. I am so thankful. When I look at the folly of governments in the world, and you know they try many times, but they come up so short in so many ways. And yet Jesus uh, will have the government on his shoulder and it will be a perfect administration. Now look at his name here. First, he is called Wonderful. The name of Jesus truly is wonderful. In fact, there's no other name like it. There's no other name given under heaven among men by which we must be saved. Counselor, the Hebrew word means to give advice. And there are so many times when we simply don't know what to do. Jesus will give us counsel, his counsel from his word by the Holy Spirit if we will seek him. He's the wonderful counselor. So there's no advice like the word of the Lord. Now, a child is born and a son is given who has the name Mighty God. This verse alone should be enough to convince Jews and anybody else that the Christ is the Son of God. Everlasting Father. Now, this could also be 
translated eternal originator. Christ is not the Father in the absolute sense as God the Father, but he is the eternal Father or originator in that all life springs from him. He's the creator of all things. Finally, Prince of Peace. What a beautiful title for our Lord. There's so much in the world to trouble us or to rob us of our peace. So much division, so much conflict. I look at the news and it's easy for my heart to be troubled. Then I look around at circumstances or hear what other people are saying and that troubles me. But then I seek my Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. And he says to us in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. So don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Hey, listen, is he the Prince of Peace over your heart today? Finally, Isaiah says that there will be no end to the increase of his government. Now, imagine that. When he returns to reign on this earth, his government will only increase more and more in its magnitude and in the peace that it will bring mankind, and he will order and establish his administration with judgment and justice forever. He won't be elected by a majority vote. It will be the zeal of the Lord that establishes this. Now, upon the northern kingdom of Israel, God pronounces three judgments in the rest of this chapter and then one in the next. But when the judgment comes, rather than the people turning to God in repentance, they stiffen their necks and harden their hearts. So the judgment becomes increasingly severe. Verse 8. The Lord sent a word against Jacob, and it has fallen on Israel. All the people will know, Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria, who say in pride and arrogance of heart, the bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild with hewn stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will replace them with cedars. And so God was bringing judgment, but even though everything was coming down, they said, we will build it better. Therefore, the Lord shall set up the adversaries of reason against him, that is from Syria, and spur his enemies on, the Syrians before and the Philistines behind. So they'd face these two enemies, and they shall devour Israel with an open mouth. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. Israel had relied upon Syria as an ally, but God was going to bring Syria against Israel from the north and then bring the Philistines from the south, and they together would devour Israel. For the people do not turn to him who strikes them, nor do they seek the Lord of hosts. Therefore, the Lord will cut off head and tail from Israel, palm branch and bulrush in one day, the elder and honorable he is the head, the prophet who teaches lies. He is the tail. So they were going to lose both their elders, their ruling leadership, as well as their prophets. For the leaders of this people cause them to err, and those who are led by them are destroyed. It's, it's a troublesome time when the leaders of a nation are leading the people into error, and they themselves are deceived and deceiving others. Therefore, the Lord will have no joy in their young men, nor have mercy on their fatherless and widows, for everyone is a hypocrite and an evildoer, and every mouth speaks folly. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his 
hand is stretched out still. So even with this, it wasn't enough punishment. The people didn't turn, so God would still bring on more. For wickedness burns as the fire. It shall devour the briars and thorns and kindle in the thickets of the forest. They shall mount up like rising smoke through the wrath of the Lord of hosts. The land is burned up and the people shall be as fuel for the fire. No man shall spare his brother and he shall snatch on the right hand and be hungry and he shall devour on the left hand and not be satisfied. Every man shall eat the flesh of his own arm. Manasseh shall devour Ephraim and Ephraim Manasseh. Together they shall be against Judah. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. And so there would be the terrible civil war that would happen, brother against brother. And that's the idea here of eating one's own arm. It's speaking of civil war. And even with that, the people would not repent. Here's the problem. When people turn away from God, when they turn from light to darkness, and they enter that gloomy place, God still calls out to them and calls them to return to him and return to his word. But if they do not listen, if they stiffen their necks, then it just gets worse and worse. May God help us to respond to his voice and perhaps to his chastening so that we don't have to encounter his judgment. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. Tomorrow we will see God use the Assyrians to punish Israel, but because of the king of Assyria's arrogance, the Lord would consume his glory. It's a solemn warning against boasting before the one who makes us all that we are. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Isaiah on Simply the Bible.